You know, when something happens that's um, unbelievable, or something that happens that seems like it's so far out of the norm, we have a phrase for that. You know what we say? We say, that's strange, right? We, we go, hey, that, that, that's so far beyond the norm. I, I really didn't think that that would happen. Maybe it's not even an unbelievable thought. It's just you're going, I just am really surprised that that would actually happen when it happened. And we, we just go, that's strange. Well, you know, preparing for this series, I, I did a little bit of looking for some strange things. Well, it turns out there are a lot of websites dedicated to strange news. Not just like Roswell things, strange, but I mean, just, just strange things. In fact, then I realized, wow, I don't even have to go to strange websites to be able to find some strange headlines. So I'm just going to share three with you that I just kind of came across that, that are headlines from this year. So, so one of them is man eats 30,000th, so he's had 30,000 of these, 30,000th Big Mac. Okay? He's 64 years old. And, and what he figured is that he's averaged two Big Macs a day since he was 18. 30,000 Big Macs. That's a super fan, okay? So, so here's another one. Robot runs for mayor. And, and there was a robot in, in Japan that, that ran for mayor. And, and the backing was because, hey, we think that, that we can have a less corrupt political system. Let's put a, a, a robot in office. The robot lost to the incumbent, but it still got 4,000 votes. People going, hey, we'll take the robot over the person, Right? Interesting. Okay, here, here's, here's the last one I'll share with you, which, which you, you got to understand. We, we can all, most of us can appreciate this, right? So, so when we're young, I mean like young, young, you know what we end up doing? We do everything we can to try to look older than we are. And, and, and then shortly into our adult years, you know what we do? We do everything we can to look younger than we are, right? Well, there is a gentleman, a Dutch guy. He's 69 years old. And he decided he did not like being 69. So he went to court to change his age. <laughs> that he wanted to be 49. And so he, want, he went to court, not 29. I think he knew he couldn't get that far back. But he goes, I, I want to be 49. Well, the courts denied it. But I mean, that's just, it's just strange, right? Well, I think that if you're somebody that, that you've read the Bible, or you've heard some things from the Bible, you certainly are aware there are some strange things. I, I think of probably the, the most well-known strange thing in our Bible, that, that it's one of those things that, that if you're in church, you've been, you've been a Christian, you've been a Bible reader, if you've done this for a while, you're like going, that doesn't even feel strange to me anymore. But then when you start seeing it in a certain context, you're going, yeah, I guess that really is. And I think this is the biggest one of them all, is that Jesus... He died, and three days later, he came back to life. I mean, that's strange, right? It, and, and once we have faith in that and we believe that, we're, we don't think of it so much as strange. We just think of it as it's a miracle, and we're so grateful, and we're glad he predicted it. So we, why, why wouldn't we expect it? And, but, but for many people that can't believe in Jesus as being something from God, even if they can believe there's a God, many people for them, they go, that's the deal. That's too strange. I, I cannot believe that. Well, there are several things in our Bible that are some stranger things than what you and I have ever seen 
or experienced. That, that, that I'll just hit a couple that there's a good chance that, that most of us in the room have heard of these. And if you haven't, that's certainly okay. But, but I, I, think it's, I think it's strange that the earth was created in six days. I mean, it, it's just strange. But some people are so uncomfortable with that strangeness that, that they go, hey, I want to believe in God. I want to believe in Scripture. So I'm just going to believe that those weren't six 24-hour. And so some people, they just go a different path with that because it's just too strange for me to take at face value. That, that, that there's this strangeness. That, that Here's a man named Moses that he certainly knew who God was. He knew of God. But yet God introduced himself to Moses by speaking to him through a burning bush that did not get consumed. It's strange. And, and if you've heard it and you've been around it and you, you've known it for you're like, you just, so, you just kind of dismiss it. You don't think of it as this, this strange thing in Scripture. Those are Old Testament. Let's get to the New. I think it's strange that you've got Jesus who is the Son of God. And I think it's strange that here he is and he goes, hey, I'm going to be a rabbi, a teacher. Okay, I'm going to be a rabbi. And every rabbi has to have what? Disciples. They have to have students. Disciples. And I think it's strange that Jesus didn't go and look for a Sadducee or a Pharisee or a scribe, these people that were already in the system and going, hey, we believe in God, and we even believe in the prophecy that there's this one that's going to come. And I think it's strange that he didn't go to them. And it's even stranger that when you look at who he went to, he went to just 12 ordinary, average, everyday guys. That's strange. One more from the New Testament. This is kind of one of these strange things. That Jesus, after he rose from the dead, shortly after this, John, who kept writing and preaching and teaching about Jesus, who was one of these 12 disciples, they, they said, hey, we don't want you to talk about Jesus anymore. And so they, they put him out on an island by himself. And while he's on this island, that Jesus gives them this cryptic revelation it's kind of cryptic and it's hard things to understand but this revelation is about the end times what's going to happen in the end what's going to happen these things and this is how you're going to know and and i think it's strange that it was written in such a cryptic way that even as we try to study it and get it and try to understand that we still can't get it and understand it it's just strange it's strange that that would take place i think it's strange that when we look into god's word that, that, that there is wisdom in the weird stuff that was recorded. That, that, that there's this wisdom there. There's so much for us to learn about life. There's so much for us to learn about God and some of the weird stuff that we see right inside our Bible. Have you ever wished, because I know I have, have you ever wished that there was just this a pause button in life that, that you could just kind of hit the pause button and, and while that button's pushed everyone and everything else pauses and that you can go about doing what you need to do just to what catch up right haven't we all been like man I I wish I wish that exists I wish that there was a thing that that we could do we could just push that button you know because most of the time I know for me when I've had this thought it's because here's the deadline and, and and here's where we're at on time 
but yet this is how much I have to do before the deadline can be met, right? And, and you, I, I just wish that there was a pause button because I'm running late, I'm running behind. Maybe it's something when you thought of, hey, I wish, wish this was there. You're going, I've got this job interview and I am running late. And that certainly is not good to show up for your job interview late. Maybe it's your first date. And you're like going, impressions are everything, and you are running late. Maybe you've got a flight to catch, and you're going, I'm not going to make it. I, I, I wish there was this pause button so that I could, everybody else was, and I could get there. Maybe you're even in the airport, and if everybody just paused, you, can, you could get there. That, that you, I just wish I, maybe, maybe it's your own wedding day, and, and, and you're running late. And, and you know what? When it comes to you running late, you're going, I, I just wish there was this pause button that I could push so that I could what, be on time. See, we all, we could look at this and go, I, I, wish, I wish there was. And, and if there was such a thing, we could call that sun stand still power. That, that's what we could call it. Sun stand still power. Because we're just going to pause. It's just going to stop. It's just not going to move. The day is not going to move forward. We're just going to be able to keep going that we have the power to stop time. That's what that would be called. And you, you might find it hard to believe. But that's not just a hypothetical thought. It is actually something that took place. And we're going to look at it in our Bible. That, that, that for four weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these stranger things in Scripture. And, and, and maybe you're going to go, oh, you know, I knew that. I kind of forgot about it. Oh, yeah, now I remember that. Or maybe, oh, that particular one I, I didn't know about. Or maybe you're going to go, oh, I knew about all this. Well, where, wherever you're at in this, that, that I believe that there's going to be some significant value for us to look at these and find what is the wisdom in the weird stuff. What is the wisdom that we can learn? How is it that we can know more about God? How is it we can learn more about ourselves when we look and see these things that were captured and recorded in Scripture for us to know about God and ourselves? So we're going to be in Joshua chapter 10. So Joshua, it's the, it's the sixth book in our Bible. I'd encourage you to follow along. Whether you've got a printed Bible that you're going to flip through, you start Genesis, very beginning, and just go forward six books. It's the sixth book. Whether you're going to read that digitally on your phone or a tablet, whatever. But, but it's Joshua, Joshua chapter 10. So I'm going to give us a little bit of context before we jump into this. So here's the context. That Joshua is leading the Israelites. The Israelites is God's chosen people, this nation. But they are a nation without two things. They do not have their own land, and they do not have a king. That, that's just where they're at right now, okay? And so if we back up far enough, what we get to see, we looked at this at our adventure week on night one, that God selected a man named Abram, and, and he said to him, hey, I want to make a great nation out of you. 75 years old, his wife is right there along with him in age, and they have not had kids and he's saying, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, out of your descendants. And he ends up doing all of this. This is the nation of Israel. But the Israelites, they just were kind of like hot and cold with God. And at one of those cold times with God, when they pulled away from him, God said, I'm just going to discipline you. And that discipline landed them in Egypt for 400 years as slaves. That's when Moses gets introduced to God in this burning bush. And he tells Moses, hey, I want you to set my people free. Lead them out. 
And so Moses does that, and they, they lead the people out of Egypt. As they lead them out of Egypt, they're, they're ready to head into what was called this promised land. It was promised because they didn't have their own land. They started as a nation without any land. And so it's promised to them. And so now he's ready, God's ready to move them into their land, the best land. But while he's trying to move them in, there, there's some disobedience in the camp and them starting to worship things other than God. And so, so when, when this takes place, it kind of gets things on, on, on the whack. And, and then we get to see that, that there's these two guys that they go and spy the land and they look and they see and they go, oh man, this land's incredible. We need to go. The only problem was not only was the fruit really big, so were the people. And so some of the guys came back, 10 of the 12 spies came back and said, yeah, we, we can't, we can't, we can't, we, they're too big. And so because of this and this lack of faith and trust in God, God said, okay, you guys are going to wander in the wilderness. You guys are just going to kind of wander around and you're going to be stuck here until all of the adults that were the decision makers, until they die off. And then you can go into the promised land. So that has now happened. Another thing that took place in this period of time was that Moses went against God with something that God told him to do. And because of that, God told Moses, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. You're going to be able to see it, but you can't go into it. So Joshua, who was one of two guys that when they went and spied the land and said, hey, this is incredible land and we can take it. God's on our side. He's the one that ends up becoming the leader after Moses. So, so we have this book of Joshua, and it's writing about this, this conquest and them moving into and taking this land. And so what's happened already is they've started to move out of the wilderness, and they've started to move toward this land. And as they started to move toward there's millions of them. And God has, has made them into an incredible group of warriors as well. And, and they start moving in. And as they start moving in, that, that God's given them victory over the people that are trying to defeat them. And as they, they start making this reputation, as they start moving in, they're still against this, this waiver of obedience. And, and so they were winning everything. And then, of course, they lost this battle because of this disobedience. They didn't even know what it was. There was a sin in the camp. They had to deal with it. And then they were able to be victorious. And so because all of this name and fame is spread about the Israelites, there were people, kings, that were starting to fear them. And so you had this group from Gibeon that, that they ended up going and meeting with Joshua. And as they go to meet with them, they make themselves look really poor. They make it look like they've traveled a very long distance. And they meet with them and they beg him to give a peace offering and a peace deal, a peace treaty with them. And Joshua says, if you're from here, I can't do that. And they said, no, 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 we're not from anywhere around here. We're from a very distant land. And Joshua didn't consult God and say, God, am I supposed to do? He just said, okay. I'll give you this peace treaty and, and, and we won't do anything against you. Well, then they find out that they were the neighbors of where they were headed through. But they honored it because he made this peace treaty with them. I'm almost there. I'm almost caught up. Chapter 10 starts out with the king of Jerusalem. And you might think, oh, king of Jerusalem, the Israelites, God's people. This is preoccupation by the Israelites. They, they've not occupied this land yet. It's not theirs. It's a different king in this land. And that king, he says to four other kings, local, 
hey, I need you guys to join forces with me because we need to go up against the, the, the Gibeonites. We need to go to Gibeon and we need to destroy them because they made a treaty with the Israelites. Kind of when you, when you read between the lines, it's even this sense of not only are we going to go there, and we're going to defeat them so that they won't join forces with the Israelites and fight, but also wouldn't it be far better for, for us to face the Israelites, not on our own land, but somebody else's land, and that way it doesn't do any damage to ours? And so they all agree to go do this. And this is where we're going to pick it up. So they're going to go and face Gibeon, the people of Gibeon, and, and they're going to go to destroy them. And we're going to pick this up. Joshua chapter 10, verse 6. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once. Save us. Help us. For, for all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. Now again, they tricked Joshua and all the Israelites into this peace treaty. But because Joshua gave it and he agreed to it, we see verse 7. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. They didn't waver. They didn't, oh, should we? Because they really, they were like, hey, we gave our word. We're going. And so they do, they, they travel all night long. It's, it's a 15-mile trek for all of this, this army that's going to go in, and yet they've got to get there without letting them know that we've been traveling and we're showing up. And so they make this trek, this journey. And we see what God says, verse 8, Don't be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. That, that's that, that confidence from God. We've talked about God-fidence before. That, that, that's it right there. Verse 9, Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. These five different kingdoms that, that were fighting, they were taken by surprise, and they were defeated. We're not, we're not going to read verse 10 together. It's kind of a little graphic, but, but, but as, as, as verse 10, as we, we look at that, what ends up happening, God ends up confusing the minds of all the Amorites. He confuses their mind in this battle. And so they don't have their wits about them. And Joshua and his men just go in and they completely annihilate and start destroying these people. And as they're going in and doing this, this battle is going to, to, to just keep going as it starts in the morning. Verse 11. It says, as the Amorites, as they retreated down the road from Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven. That continued until they reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. Could could you just imagine being an Israelite and talking about that afterwards? You know, that was one hail of a victory. You know, I mean, what what do you say? You know, I mean, because there's just God, and He's just got to take them out with a hailstorm. I don't know, does God just kind of line up these little, you know, white, well, not white, but the, the little uh, water and freezer right there, and he's just kind of, beep, beep, beep. I, I don't. but he does it, and he just aims, and he starts taking them out in, in a hail storm. This is the second miracle that's taking place this day. First is that God confuses their minds, and, and they can't be victorious that way, and many of them die then. And then God takes this hail storm, and he wipes out even more of them, but there are five kingdoms that have come together. To be able to fight this. And so there is a lot. And there is still more of the enemy left. Verse 12. 
On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all of the people of Israel. He said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. I've prayed a few bold prayers in my day. I have. But I have not prayed a bold prayer loudly, out loud in front of other people. I haven't. So there's just... There's part of me and my faith and my trust. And I'm just like going, okay, God, this is kind of you and me. And we'll just kind of see what happens. But I've not done it. And here's Joshua praying this outrageous prayer. God, will you cause the sun to stand still right here over Gibeon? Don't let the moon move you. This is a complete stop of time. God, will you do this? And when he prays this prayer, he prays it in front of everybody hears, everybody knows what he just prayed. He prayed a sun stand still prayer so that they could be victorious, so that they could drive out the enemy of the Amorites. I think that it's a, it's a, strange, it's a strange prayer request. It's not the request that says, hey, hey God, can, can you bring another round of hail? It, it, it's not, can, you, can you confuse it? It's Will you just let the sun say, well, can, can God, can we just push pause on time so that time doesn't get away from us, so the day doesn't end with them being able to get away and plot a revenge later? God, will you cause the sun to stand still is his request. You know why he prays it? It's because he knows that, that opportunity is closing. We've all been there. We've all been in situations where, where opportunity is closing on us. So what do we do? We know what Joshua did. Joshua prayed a sun stand still prayer is what he did. And it is a strange thing. It's one of the stranger things inside of Scripture. I think we've all felt this way. But, but what do you do when, when, when you feel this way? Do you, do you pray a prayer like that? Because that's a pretty bold prayer. Verse 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jashar? It's not just recorded in our Bible. This historical event is recorded outside of God's word. Of this thing that happened. It's the third miracle that, that's happening in this day, the, the confusion of the mind, the, the hailstorm that, that takes out the enemies. And now God says, okay, that's what you asked for? Boom, I am going to do I am going to grant it. It says, the sun stayed in the middle of the sky, and it did not set as on a normal day. I think when we look at, at our life and, and whether we're praying or whether we're not and not just us but just people as a whole I think there's something that that just can describe us with our prayer life and the most common reason that someone doesn't pray is because they only attempt what they think they can accomplish on their own that's it I, 
I'm not going to pray for that because I, I'm, I'm going to take care of that. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to try harder. If it's up to me, if it's going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's all of this. If it's going to be, it's up to me. This, this whole approach. And so it's the most common reason. When we look at, hey, why aren't we praying about something? It's because I'm only going to attempt what I think that I can accomplish on my own. And Joshua knew that he was attempting to do something that he and his men could not accomplish on their own. What they were trying to do was for God's glory. But they could not accomplish it on their own. So I want us to look at a sun stand still prayer and what it knows. That a sun stand still prayer knows. What are these three things that if we're going to have a sun stand still prayer, well, what does it know? And these are the things that Joshua knew. That he knew these when he prayed this prayer. And the first thing that it knows is it knows what's at stake. That a sun stand still prayer, it knows what is at stake. Joshua had given the people of Gibeon, Gibeonites and the surrounding people, he told them, yes, I'll give you a peace treaty. Yet we will not cause harm to you and we will protect you. He had given him his word. And his word as one that says, hey, God's leading us. God will protect you. And Joshua knew that God's reputation was at stake. It wasn't about Joshua and his own life. It wasn't about his, even his men. He knew that God's reputation, it was at stake. That a son stands still prayer, it knows what's at stake. And so we, our, our prayers get directed because of this. Listen, for over 20 years, I have prayed for my kids. For over 20 years, I, I prayed for them before we ever had them. I prayed for them once we had them. But, but let me tell you three things that I have prayed over and over and over and over and over, continually praying for, for my kids. Pray for their faith. Pray that, pray that God would give them and grow in them a faith of their own, that, that they would just own and they would have it and it would be their faith. I, I pray over and over, still to this day, I pray for the friends that they keep. I pray for that. Because I, I know that the friend that they keep determines the direction that their life's going to go. So I do. I pray for the friends that they're going to keep. And I'll tell you something else I've been praying for ever since I even had the thought of going, I'm going to be a dad one day. I've prayed, and I still do it to this day, for their future spouse. These are the things I pray for. I pray for their faith. I pray for the friends that they keep. And I pray for their future spouse. You know why I keep praying for these things? Because I know what's at stake. I know what's at stake. And, and a sun stands still prayer, it knows what is at stake. And it's what causes you and drives you to pray and depend and to lean on God. You know, as, as we go through life, you, you know what happens when, when we quit fighting? We, we, we quit fighting, and the reason we quit fighting is because we forget what is at stake. It's when we quit. It's when we give up, and we go, because I, I forgot what was at stake. 
And so a sun stands still prayer, it knows what is at stake. A sun stands still prayer knows what? It, it knows you are calling on God. It knows it. It knows it. Okay, there's God. And, and, and okay, I'm going to rely on you and I'm going to depend on you. It knows that it's calling on God. And Joshua knew that he was calling on God. See, we, we have to know our audience. That, that when, we, when we pray to God, we've got to know that God is capable. We've got to know it. That, that when you think about it and think about your own life, you know, I, I can think for me that, that if I was in a pinch and I needed to get my hands on $300, I, I, I would not be asking the person at the corner that says anything will help. Right? Because well, why am I not going to ask them? Because I'm going, you know, I doubt you have the means to be able to help me. Even if you physically had it on you, there was no way you could let go of that because it's not extra for you. You, you. you know your audience. Joshua knew his audience. He knew as he was praying to God who God was, what God was capable of doing. That he knew that he was calling for help. And as he called for this help, he had confidence that this help could come. Because Joshua had seen and experienced some things with God. He knew that God was a loving, capable, heavenly father. He knew this about God. He knew, he, he, he had seen God do some things. That, that just in, or just a couple of chapters earlier, if we were to read about it, he, he knew about how God brought all these walls, the walls of Jericho down. That, 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 he, that he knew about God and, and what God could do here and what God did. Did he see that? He, he knew that, that God, for 40 years, fed the people while they just, just wandered throughout the wilderness by bringing manna every day. And when they got tired of manna, started complaining, God started sending in some low-flying quail, and they would just beat them down, and they would have quail and manna. But Joshua knew that when they left Egypt, when they fled, he knew that when they left, that as they came to this barrier of the Red Sea, that God had just parted it. And they were able to travel across on dry ground. And the Egyptian army that started coming after them, that at one moment had said, go, get out of here, please, leave, are going, no, never mind, we think we want you to stay. That God took the, 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 the wall of water that he parted for the people to go across on dry ground. And he used that same water to drown that army that was coming after the Israelites. So Joshua knew. He knew these things. And he knew that certainly God could make the sun stand still. That in the sun stand still prayer, it knows what's at stake. It, it knows you are calling on God. And it knows that God is able to do whatever he chooses. That, that, that he is able to do whatever he chooses. And, and he's never going to choose to stand against himself, to, to oppose himself. But he is certainly capable to do whatever it is that he chooses. Verse 14, Joshua 10. There's never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely, the Lord fought for Israel that day. He fought. He fought 
the battle for them. God is either going to fight for us or fight us. That that we're either going to take our lives and and we're going to live it in a way that we're going, hey God, I I want to bring honor and glory to you. I I want to live within your will and God's going to go, okay, I'm going to fight for you. Or we're going to go, hey, you know what? I, I, I want to live for myself and my will. He's going to fight against us. That God's going to do some fighting. And when you think about a prayer like this that Joshua had and you go, Hey, that, that, that's, a, that's a pretty, pretty amazing prayer. That, that's a great stretch of faith to go, God, will you cause the sun to stand still? And, and, and for you, for me, maybe, maybe God's not going to cause the sun to stand. Maybe he's not going to pause time for us. But what I do believe God will do is I believe that God will give us some stillness in our spirit. When the chaos is all going on and we call out to him, that he can give us the stillness in our spirit in the midst of the chaos. And that our faith, it grows when when we pray prayers knowing what God is capable of doing. We don't pray it going to God, I'm not really sure you can. But we pray prayers knowing what God is capable of. I want to finish with a short list with you guys. And it is preconditions for sun stand still prayers because i want you to pray them these kind of prayers but there's there's some preconditions if you're going to pray a sun stand still prayer here's some preconditions one god would get the credit that's one of the preconditions you 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 can't say a sun stand still prayer and go after it's all said and done that you're going to start taking the credit for what took yeah yeah kind of me and god we uh, mm mm-mm no, that's a precondition, that God is going to get the credit. A second precondition is that God would be glorified. He, he will be glorified. That it's not just that we're going to go, okay, God, yeah, you can have the credit, but uh, we're going to kind of stop it right Yeah, God did it. Just, but we're going to worship him. We're going to give him praise. We're going to give him glory. We're going to spread his name and his fame because of what he has done, that he would be glorified. And the third one is that God's will would be accomplished. That, that, that when we start praying a sun stand still prayer and it goes against what God wants, we've got to be in the precondition of, okay, we're praying for what God wants. That, that we have to be praying that God's will would be accomplished. It's a precondition to our sun stand still prayers. Last thought is you won't discover how powerful God is until you pray God-sized prayers. That we've got to start getting familiar with praying outside of the comfort of going, I'm praying this and, and I already know it's going to happen anyways, but I'm praying it anyways just, just so I can chalk it up as I prayed for that one. We've got to be praying God-sized prayers. That God, this is going to take a miracle. God, it's going to take an act of you. But may you get the glory. May you get the credit. And may your will be done because of this. We all are going to have times in our lives where we need the sun to stand still. Will you pray for it?
and will you learn from what Joshua did? I'm going to pray so that God can be glorified, so that God can get credit, and so that his will can be done. Pray with me. God, I pray that you'd make us uncomfortable where we've become comfortable with our prayer life. God, that, that, that we could just be reminded whatever that is that, that, that we end up facing. Maybe some of us, we're, we're facing it right now. Maybe some of us don't even know what's going to hit us this week. But God, that, that we, would, we would have the kind of prayer that Joshua had. That we would have that kind of bold belief in who you are. And God, that, that, that as we pray that these big God-sized prayers, God, that, that, that we would do it as people, that, that we just are, are at the place where we would give you 100% of the credit. God, that we and even others would, would, would glorify you and that your will would be accomplished. God, grow us as we discover more about who you are. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.